Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to Streets Ahead, your podcast dedicated to all things cycling, walking and wheeling in the UK and beyond. I'm Ned Bolting. I'm Adam Tranter. And I'm Laura Laker. Now, this time, we're all about mapping walking routes. Back in the autumn, Emma Griffin from the Footways Project joined Laura for a stroll around Bow in East London. Footways is a network of quiet and interesting streets for walking in London, uh, with the aim of getting people out and onto the pavements. Their aim is to make the pedestrian network the top priority, when it's often, as we know, the lowest. So... Let's hear how Laura went with Emma on their little walkabout. We're, um, we're outside Mile End Station. <laughs> Feels slightly furtive, like, we're here. <laughs> with Emma Griffin, who's from Footways. You do have quite a few things, don't you, Emma? Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm the co-founder of Footways, the uh, quite an interesting walks for, routes for walking, but I'm also vice-chair of London Living Streets, and also a trustee of Foundation for Integrated Transport and various other kind of transport campaigning and transport writing and things like that. So. Yeah, and the purpose of Footways is to link transport hubs, play destinations, all sorts of things by nice routes. Yeah, I mean, the places where people want to walk. Yeah. So, that's, so we started with the mainline stations in central London, trying to get people to walk from them instead of get, jump on the tube or in a taxi and walking to all the kind of key destinations. So, yeah, the parks all the museums and galleries and all the kind of work hubs as well so it's walking as transport um, and walking a little bit further than you normally would but picking out the most interesting the most beautiful most enticing greenest lovely streets of London so we marched the streets for months and months and months picking out all the nicest links so all these A to B routes were as uh, interesting and enjoyable and safe and clean as possible yeah this was a lockdown project wasn't it we started it pre-lockdown but we finished and we uh david harrison the co-founder and i were walking routes and talking to councils and to other campaigning organizations and all sorts of people really actually for a long time before lockdown and then i think it was autumn 2019 we had a, a conference 
and brought together some of the transport leads in different boroughs. And following that, actually, Transport for London gave us some funding to get going with producing a map. With the funding, we worked with Urban Good and turned it into this this printed map. And that was a lockdown project, and we kind of busily got on with that in the quiet months, testing out the routes and finishing them off as well. In that kind of magic period in between the lockdowns, when people were out walking again, we launched to the walk to the British Museum, and the deputy director of the British Museum came along. We walked with Will Norman and the Cabinet Leaders of Transport at Camden Council, who's been really supportive of the project. So since then, the maps have gone, they've been in huge demand, and actually the bookshop's pretty much sold out of them very, very quickly. The first boxes went, they were telling us they couldn't believe what demand there was for people mm. turning up and wanting this. And now there are a few maps left, but we've basically run out. But the online version as well, actually, has been viewed, I think, more than 750,000 times. Wow. Which for, you know, for a small project with a small budget like theirs is not, you know, that shows there is a demand for it. Yeah, and um, I love that the paper maps are so popular because obviously everything's now on our phones and it seems like, judging from this response, that there's perhaps still a demand for for something in in actual print. Yeah, and I think the printed map does two things. It is, you can use it to get around and and it is a great tool and it's quite enjoyable to pick it up on the street. And I think the printed maps are kind of, changed how you think about things as well don't they? something you look at at home and and you look at it helps you kind of look at a space in a different way mm. you know that this is the first time for example you've had a a network actually for walking we've got lots of maps and networks for other forms of transport you know so the tube map being famous the a to z map which is for taxis but never before have we had a a map for walking a network for walking this is the first time you've presented london primarily as a network for walking Mm. and I think so that printed map was something and it did make a statement and it's a beautiful project it's got bright colours and it's just a kind of way to jog people into an alternative way of thinking. So we're we're on a very this it's beautiful street we've we've walked away from Mile End Road the main road and we've come down this street with these quite established trees on there's lovely sort of shaded front gardens it's all I guess Georgian housing stock? Yeah, it it's is. all very historic. I think Tredegar Square, further down here, is one of the classic squares of uh, yeah. Tower Hamlets. We can go and look at that. And I think, I mean, this is exactly why walking is so enjoyable. We're on a really beautiful, quiet street. There isn't through traffic really coming through here. There's someone doing their driving test here. And it's green, it's got interesting architecture. You kind of want to walk on, don't you? Mm. It kind of pulls you along. It's lovely. And it's such a, we've got such a beautiful day for it as well. It's, um, well, we're into October, but the leaves aren't turning yet. We've got these rowan trees. And um, what's this? Do we know what this tree is? Lime? No, I don't know. We've got beach. Because <laughs> you'd be tempted to walk along Mile End Road if you're going somewhere. Exactly. I mean, yeah. yeah. But then you'd miss this lovely, much more relaxing, obviously much less polluted... Yeah. side street especially on a day like today maybe if you're walking home from work or school you might not actually be in that much of a hurry or indeed if you're working from home as a few people are now and you just want to have a little break exactly and that's because that was the, our starting point was was that the kind of routing apps the city map the google maps were often just just pushing you down the main roads yeah just because the algorithm wants to stay to be as quick as possible yeah so, and actually it's not actually that much of a time save it's only a few mm. seconds sometimes but because really? the algorithm goes for speed it always yeah turns you away from these kind of back streets but then very very rarely 
any longer and if it is you, you would barely notice it so yeah. so I guess the, just the, the algorithm just misses all those human factors that make walking a joy because I, I, our thinking was this is the walking is the not the only form of transport but it's the best form of transport for enjoying one's environment mm. so why not make the most of it you yeah. know and pick out the routes that are that are the most interesting and beautiful. This square is amazing. So we're on Tredegar Square. Tredegar Square. It's very grand, actually, isn't yeah. it? I mean, the the East End has historically been poor. Obviously, it's not anymore much of it. This is obviously a very well healed exactly. corner of London. It's like you could it could be in South London actually. You get a lot of these lovely squares there. But I I cycle past I cycle past the end of this road because there's a cycle super highway on Mile End Road all the time and I never knew this was here and you can literally see the the main road from here it's not very far away but yeah, yeah you'd you miss it you isolate don't you look at yeah. that we're gonna go up here because that I think is very tantalizing <laughs> enticing street. it is we've got the Lord Tredegar at the end of the road or Tredegar I'm probably pronouncing it wrong we've got a lovely old post box Victorian post box it says VR on it and it's got a little crown I might take a picture yeah, of that it's we nice would, isn't it we would do is trying to pick out all the features on the back of the map that we printed is the whole load of features that you can go and explore. You know, everything from kind of interesting little historical bits, the hidden features well known, uh, you know, hidden rivers to, to amazing steeples, all these kind of things that the only, yeah, again, thinking that the only walking is the one form of transport where you can make the most of all this and enjoy yeah. it. You don't have to worry. I guess when you're cycling, there's always a bit of a worry about drivers, other cyclists. You have to, be, have, yeah. to be, have your wits about you, which can be quite fun. But yeah. actually, if you want just a chilled escape yeah. from the house, then walking is just a really nice way to do it. Yeah, exactly. Because I guess in all the other forms of transport, you've got even the car, even if you're a passenger, you're going fast and you've also got a kind of screen. You know, bikes, you are, you are actually thinking about your kind of interaction. But walking, you can just be mm. in the environment quite nice not to have um your phone as well if you have the paper map because you get distracted by other things on the phone don't you <laughs> yeah that's true and i don't know and we've got to think about ways of different ways of routing people and maps are one way mm. and i guess our thinking is that once you've got a route in your head then it becomes your habit you know yeah. all kind of rough routes or different alternatives and then once you know about them then you repeat them over time and you mm. get to know the city in a different way i guess we're just challenging people to kind of uh find different patterns of how they use the city oh this pub's lovely it's yeah, quite tempting it doesn't it fancy <laughs> <laughs> a beer this is lovely oh this street's very nicely cared for houses oh, there's another there's a learner driver watch out so because of the railway lines here we have to divert oh, yeah. down there and left so it's a classic thing. but i think if we go oh, right yeah. here i remember this i am um, I wrote about this area when they were trying to do a low-traffic neighbourhood and um, and failed, and there's basically sort of one, one way in and one way out, which makes for quite a tempting rat run, because otherwise you're on the main uh, road, yes. Yeah. There's a bit interesting bit of pedestrian infrastructure here where oh, they've, yeah. put the tree, they've put the trees on the pavement. I know, yeah, why don't they stick them in the road where stick the parking is? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, because um, you've just been out with um, Katie Pennick from... Uh, Transport for all. That's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. And we had her on the podcast actually before, and um, and so now you mentioned that I'm thinking of her, and these are quite narrow little Very spaces narrow. behind the trees, actually, aren't they? And the tree roots have um, disturbed the um, the tarmac and the paving stones, which is not wheelchair friendly. It's not wide enough for a wheelchair actually behind this tree. It's not is really, it? is it? It's one yeah. thing Katie was saying. It's like a when you get a combination of factors like the width and the steepness or the unevenness, then it becomes, a, you know, like a triple challenge and makes it even 
yeah and so one of the things you because you developed this with um, various partners and councils you mentioned in your press release there's going to be a way for people to be able to say which bits don't work and ask for improvements how does that work so the routes we're trying to get people to kind of test out and use and tell us about them so we can adapt them. That, I think that's what I think that's the Hackney and Islington routes. Yeah. Yeah. So they we've published them and they're available on a Google Mind Maps version online. Mm-hmm. We want people to go out and test them, link up, see if they link all the bits that play, people really want to go. Um, maybe there are kind of missing links or things that don't work or better alternatives and we kind of want to know about it and then we can adapt it and grow it at the time and eventually mm. hopefully we can turn it into another paper map as well for, for Hackney and Islington mm. yeah so it started with um, Hackney and Islington Camden so we started in central London and um, Camden was the first borough that we we spoke to and they we spoke to one of the officers they liked the idea and actually was put into their transport strategy quite quickly and then we were talking to all the boroughs in central London, everyone from really great support from the City of London, um, had some involvement with Westminster and Kensington, Chelsea, all of them. And so central London then, the actual last winter lockdown, we started developing the Hackney and Islington routes. And we actually worked with walking guides in those areas because they're out walking the areas and know the history so they've got the kind of both sides of knowing all the interesting stuff that you can experience on the way and the great routes mm. so we work with um, four walking guides in Islington and Hackney and they helped us develop this route so now we're kind of trying to get as many other people using them and testing them and talking to us about them there's two aims for this project one is to get people walking more and often but also for the to improve the infrastructure for people walking mm. and our thinking is that once you start walking and testing these routes you know and walking with people like transport for or we can start identifying the changes that need to happen and then go and talk to the authorities about you know what to prioritize and i guess if you've got a walking link and you're showing that people are actually walking between these places it's a useful a to b link then doing improvements on these routes is you know it's a great place to start i think Boroughs want to know, you know, where should we where should we prioritise change? Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I guess um, we've been so bad at providing for pedestrians in the past, yeah. and we don't really count them. Yes, um, exactly. We don't really count pedestrian trips. We've got the government, so the government data, travel data that just came out yeah. in September. That was based on a travel survey. Yeah, there's no real like pedestrian counters like there are for cars are there no. and so we don't really know much about pedestrians and they're always sort no. of, even though they're top of the hierarchy of road users they're in reality they're really bottom of the pecking order exactly aren't they? right and i think this is that this has been a key thinking behind this yeah pedestrians at the top but actually it's the network for cars is the one that is prioritized mm. the movement of cars has trumped everything mm. and that is changing a little bit you know we've got a great transport strategy in london and i think it is genuinely trying to rethink that and try to look yeah. at how to prioritize others but in terms of the infrastructure that exists it's 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 I mean, look where we're stood right now it's um a great thing that Katie just said to me and we were diverted from the route we wanted to do because they were doing some building work so we thought oh let's just skip down another road we ended up being pushed into the road because the pavement had been blocked off by the building work Mm. and I asked the question how do you feel about being in the road and she goes well to be honest 
sometimes for me, being in the road is the easiest place to be if there are no cars because actually the surfacing yeah. is so well looked after yeah. and smooth. That's the bit of the infrastructure that people are looking after, whereas the pavement is often the um, bit that's yeah that's overlooked. And a case in point here, um, looks like the road's <laughs> been resurfaced yeah, almost in the last month. It's yeah. absolutely brand new. And, and then the pavement, there's like bits missing around the... Um, service manholes it's and, not surf- um, getting onto the road from here to get down is there's, there's yeah no, there's a step there's, there's bits step. of brick there's concrete there's cracked paving slab and then if you get over there there's a bollard just on the oh, where yeah the, where on the drop curb yeah to stop people parking yeah but that makes it a pavement. bit of a, that's a kind of a bit of an assault course yeah, isn't it if you're in a wheelchair i imagine that's a nightmare well and i think we want to just present london as a for pedestrians as the one that stands out, as the kind of priority. Mm. And in presenting London in a different way, giving a different vision of a transport mm. network as, as the pedestrian network as the priority, is actually a new thing a new thing to do. He's having a good time, isn't he? Skateboarder, yeah. <laughs> Can't help but look but cool he, on a skateboard, he, can I mean, you? I wish using, I could do it. He's using the road, isn't he? And he's yeah. enjoying it. Cause he yeah. can... He's having a nice smooth ride on that new tarmac. <laughs> yeah. So we continue on the cracked pavement. I wonder if something like this could help. Pedestrians haven't really had a voice, typically, have they? Like cyclists of the London yeah. Cycling Campaign and national cycling bodies have had a uh, big impact on, you know, first of all, uh, cyclist safety, but then, you know, the infrastructure that goes with making people safe. But for pedestrians, there's not really... I mean, there's living streets, but historically there hasn't been that sort of mouthy... <laughs> you know, they haven't, been, have, yeah. haven't shouted as loudly in the past. That's it, isn't it? And I think pedestrians just think, well, this is, we've got a load of pavements, we've got what we need, but it's got to get on with it. Yeah, that, I mean, maybe, maybe there hasn't been the, quite the anger that the that cyclists have mm. for shouting about this is yeah. Yeah, about our safety as well. Because there are pavements, like you say, but, and so you're not being you know, driven at by people in cars, but I don't know, maybe there's an acceptance or this is just how things are. And in fact, actually, pedestrians are being driven at in cars, aren't they? In fact, even more than cyclists, which is the, uh, the tragedy of it. That, yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah, I saw someone driving yesterday. They had um, a flat tyre, and I don't know if they realised, and you, you know you can hear it, it makes a... Yeah. Sound. And I sort of waved and pointed at them, and um, it turned out he knew, but he didn't care. He just sped off up the road... And, um, and then mounted the kerb to some tyre repair place and there was a guy pushing a pram and uh, he had to, like, stop to get this out of this guy's way and he just, like, <laughs> didn't yeah. seem to perturb him that he'd, like, got very little control over this vehicle. He's just, like, Crikey. hurtling at people. Anyway... Yeah. And actually, because when we did this, some people, you know, some of the taxi drivers on social media were saying, oh, what, what do we need a walking network for, for goodness sake? We've got, you can walk wherever you want. Oh, really? Are the taxi drivers getting involved in the walking stuff as well? <laughs> Only a little bit. Only a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> got a little network thing on the back of the map that, you know, that compares journey times um, in central London compared oh, to a yeah, tube and tube, and tube. and we did and we and we got all the data from city map and we were rigorous about it and it was the 5 p.m on a thursday evening and we compared some of our links and i think there was a british museum to waterloo i can't remember which one it was we we're on the very in the center and really there were a couple of minutes in the difference between a walking and a taxi ride yeah. that became a mayor's question actually so uh, the, so the mayor of london had to um <laughs> who asked it was it dave uh, curtin i'm not oh i don't know the name of the person actually i'd have to go and have a look it was a taxi driver some of them get the year as a taxi driver to actually present something in a different way as a network or something just showing London in a different perspective is all part of kind of change and about just rethinking how we think about cities and how we use them so not only just challenging people to walk a bit further and go and enjoy stuff but just to think you know what actually walking is a 
form of transport. Walking is a way, a way of enjoying the city, a way of living in the city. So let's put it at the front. Yeah, and a lot of us have realised how nice walking and how therapeutic walking can be. Yeah, exactly. Obviously in the last year and a half. Should we go around this way and give this lady some space? It's a classic example, isn't it, where you're forced into the road because actually the pavement yeah. is... Pretty. Yeah, it's just nice to give people space these days, isn't it? You just don't know. Um, yeah, well, look, looks like they've got a big roof garden up there or something. Obsessed with roof gardens. This is a beautiful square as well. Yeah, it's so nice. It's lovely. Selwyn Green. I've never and been a, on Selwyn Green. Oh, look, Green this sign before. has a walking and cycling oh, right. sign on it. It looks like a Sustrans route. Do you know what? I guess, I guess it must be quite common to have. Um, walking and cycling symbols on those blue Sustrans signs. That's true. But I, haven't really, I hadn't really noticed it before. I find them particularly useful when I'm cycling, actually. And I think I've been thinking about um, wayfinding and obviously different ways of doing it and, you know, using apps. And the GoJoltly app's great. And, but I think there is a role for kind of on-street things. And actually, the logo that we made that our Charlie Urban Good designed is um, designed to be a wayfinding tool as well. Mm. You take out the kind of different triangles at each bit it could tell you which way to go oh nice so we could you know it could be sprayed on the on the ground a bit naughtily mm. or could be put stickers in or windows stencils. and stencils and things like that okay. nice it looks like an old schoolhouse and garden let's wiggle through there and then we can get to roman road and go and see and they're building some new flats here it looks like so yes hold my hand one thing I was speaking to some um, Hannah from Go Journey, she was saying one of the reasons people don't walk is um, not knowing where to walk, which I found quite surprising. As someone who will just walk out their door and just think, oh, I'll just wander down here and see where it goes. But it's like a confidence thing for some people, Maybe which seems right, isn't it? Yeah. astonishing, actually. But if you're not in the habit of walking, then I guess set of starting is one of the hardest things, perhaps. I think Hannah's right, and I think you just like knowing where to walk to sometimes can be enough of a reason this is nice so we're heading towards roman road now yeah can see how bad the uh, traffic is how bad it is yeah we just announced a partnership with nner oh okay. yeah and um, i think that, that's quite exciting because i think we started off looking at the mainline stations thinking about all the I think when you get to a mainline station in London, the kind of immediate environment you get when you get off the train is so bad that a walk just doesn't seem like the natural mm. option. Yeah, I'm thinking of... When you say that, I'm thinking of Euston... Yeah. And actually, King's yeah. Cross and Pancras, for all the beauty of the um, public realm around the back yep. and the new station itself, and, of course, St Pancras is magnificent. Yeah. But... Yeah, Euston Road. I don't know if there's a solution to that street. <laughs> no, it's tricky, isn't it? Because, it, you know, kind of where the traffic needs to be. But you're right, it's just such a huge barrier. Mm. It doesn't draw you into the city. No, you just want to get away from it as soon as possible, yeah, don't you? That's how I discovered Go Jauntly, actually. I needed to get between Euston and um, Paddington, actually. And um, where I left my bike and uh, really didn't want to take public transport. And the natural way was Euston Road. And that's how I discovered go jauntily um i think i downloaded it when i when it uh launched or something and then um hadn't really used it but i found a really nice little back streetway and it was quite relaxing oh great did you and, and yeah you're right because just south of Bloomsbury road bloomsbury is just a beautiful oh, yeah. beautiful place to walk 
Um, and that, so we then many our routes started, you know, linking Waterloo and Covent Garden, British Museum, and then and St Pancras Dam. So it's great that LNER are on board, and they mm. they're giving the maps out from the stations, and they also trying to think about how they customers can kind of be inspired when they get to the landing page, for example, on mm. on the train to get the Wi-Fi. They could be inspired to actually think to carry on the journey on foot, and they and and they, they get it that. The train operating company—they've got a sustainable form of transport. So let's think about how you can extend that that sustainable mm. form of transport all the way through. So the journey is not just on the train, but it's actually from home to destination. Yeah, which I think is a kind of you know I think this is I think there's something really interesting there about combo travel and how you connect different forms of transport. Yeah, and multimodal. Yeah. Because actually walking is the one that delivers, isn't it? It delivers mm. you to all other forms of transport. Yeah, yeah it's true. And um, I'm just thinking of um, train stations in London. Quite a lot of them have a big taxi rank outside, don't they? Yeah, so, it's, um, it's the first thing you see, the first, One of the first things you see, yeah, in several of them, if not all. I was in Strasbourg before lockdown. In Strasbourg, you get out the set, and it used to be a taxi rank out the front, and I think they, they changed it, and now you get there, and there's a big avenue for walking that just yeah. pulls you into the city. And then you get across this big square and there's a low-traffic neighbourhood with the bollards are up and it just, again, it pulls you in and it just it, walking immediately feels like the um, natural option. Did you go there for work or did you go there for a holiday? <laughs> I was on holiday with that's the That's so funny because yeah. it's, it's the same with everyone who's interested in these things, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? You either choose somewhere that's, like, interesting for work but also nice and then you take everyone with you. And then it's like, yeah, I've always wanted to go to... Yes, yeah. I think it'd be a really good idea if we stop in Strasbourg on the way here. We wanted to... We were, had you heard about this? Yeah, this, I um, Yeah, and the children, oh, no, we're here to another transport. Music. And they realise your ulterior motive. <laughs> oh, God. Brilliant. <laughs> Laura, I guess you enjoyed your, uh, your footways experience. Yeah. You must have loved it. It was really nice. Yeah, we had fun, as you can hear. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. It was a lovely day. It was back in the autumn. <clears throat> I've been kind of holding on to the file, been quite busy and haven't had a chance to edit it. But our wizard editor, Claire, has um, has now worked her wonders on it. It was really great. And it's really nice to talk about walking. And I think what they're doing, trying to create a map for walking and trying to elevate walking in sort of transport terms is super important. I learned doing my research around this that walking's been in decline for the last decade in London, which really, really surprised me. You kind of assume that people are doing active travel more and more, but actually, while traffic's increased since 2011, including on side streets, as we know, because of things like Waze and um, Uber and all of those, that um, actually the pedestrian realm's kind of deteriorating, becoming more hostile. So I think it's really important to consider it and not just think, oh, the pavements are there that's the walking network done because obviously people in wheelchairs a lot of the stuff like the you know when we're walking those tree pits there's really narrow kind of bit of pavement behind a tree it's all wonky and if you're on a wheelchair that's just impossible it's too narrow you can't even get through physically even if you could get up over the bumps so um yeah really important stuff they're doing Mm. yeah i completely agree you know wheelchair trying to use a wheelchair on lots of london streets is is, um not only uh difficult it's impossible Mm. um uh so yeah I know I know kind of a few like little walking routes near where my office used to be and you know you think they're great walking routes and actually you know much of the city of London have these kind of big steps and and things like that at the end that just are totally inaccessible so that's a really important thing and for people who are 
pushing uh, I, I had twin boys so I used to push a double push chair and things like that you know all those things are really big considerations and um, I wanted to say that since I knew that you went on this walk I, I kind of looked at, at the the map and, and looked at it's we should just say it's really nicely branded it's like really lovely to look at and and walking you know we need to market walking walking always gets you know it's the poor cousin in active travel unfortunately because there isn't a lot of industry or money to be made or fares to be paid and and things like that but it's just brilliant so getting nicely designed with its kind of key routes and and something you can have digitally and physically i think could be the really nice start of kind of discovery for a lot of people and that's how those habits form uh, isn't mm. it you just do it once under guidance and then it becomes part of your part of your routine yeah yeah the physical map's really nice it's some um, unfortunately i'm looking at the website right now and i think they're reprinting it so they've sold out of the the stock or they've yeah they haven't got any stock at the moment but as soon as they're back in stock i'd like i'd like to have one yeah they're really i'd like to pretty. frame it stick it up on the wall really nicely and laura you you've made a connection between this printed map and the the famous the iconic a to z maps Right. Yeah, because I mean, Emma and I, I don't think it's in our recorded chat, but uh, we were talking about the A to Z and um, and she mentioned how that was originally something about how that kind of that is kind of the main road network that highlights the main road network. So that should be like where where vehicles go. And then the rest of it is like, you know, the kind of pedestrian realm, the quieter streets, because that's the the cab driver's Bible. And I I looked it up on Wikipedia and I discovered that the um, original map was created in the 30s by a woman called Phyllis Pearsall, who actually mapped London by walking around it, cataloguing house numbers, junctions and streets. And so, yeah, what's now known as the cabbie's map, or it was, was was actually created by a woman walking around London, which I thought had a really nice symmetry with what Emma and her team have been doing, mapping these routes around London. I just thought it was a fantastic bit of symmetry there. Yeah. And it's funny because we went through Coburn Street, which was a low traffic neighbourhood for a very brief time. And I wrote an article for City Labs on it. And um, it shut after a couple of days. So there was a huge cabbie protest and some locals, it wasn't very well communicated and it all kind of fell apart. It, it shut after a couple of, couple of, couple days. of days. It was really bad. <laughs> it was so, it was such a shame because they had like a trampoline. Sort of Basically, this is a kind of area and there's a, there's an L-shaped two streets that form an L shape that kind of cut through between two very busy roads. And it's a massive rat run. And they put a trampoline or a bouncy, I think it was bouncy castle actually, underneath this bridge, train bridge on one of the L shaped streets. So it was Coborn and Tredegar, uh, which is which is a word that I still struggle to pronounce. But yeah, anyway, so we're walking through there and um, yeah, big heavy protest. But we, we happened to get talking about the map and how they worked out that some central London journeys were just almost as quick, a couple of minutes slower by foot than they were by taxi. And it's particularly the case at Russia, but actually it doesn't seem to change much during the day. And she said there was a, actually a mayor's question on this because um, they, the taxi world thought parts of the taxi world felt follow was inaccurate. And I asked whether it was David Kirsten who asked the question. It was, it turned out, because Will Norman had done a tweet about how he's trying to encourage walking, about how it's just as quick sometimes to walk as it is to take the tube or to get a taxi. So, yeah, the facts are true. It's just that most people don't realise. And I think this is one of the interesting things about walking, that you often don't realise how quick it can be compared with driving, just to be walking through, um, especially parts of central London. So, yeah, it's another way of kind of elevating that. Actually, you don't need to get on the tube for the short journey. You don't need to hop in a cab. Mm. You can just walk. And there's these great little streets. Like London, you know, cities are just full of these fascinating, especially in the UK, so much history, so many beautiful little places. You know, we discovered places. I cycle past all the time. I had no idea what was behind the the buildings on the main road. People do... um 
Euston to, to King's Cross quite frequently, don't they? And, and uh, you know, they might take a tube and stuff. And, yeah, that's a classic. And actually, you can walk it. But we should say, mm. then, this is why this map comes into its own and other initiatives like it. There is a signed quiet route, basically, to, to avoid the horrible air pollution of the Euston Road so you can connect from Euston to St Pancras. And it's really lovely. It's, you know, it's really nice and, and leisurely. And it's it can't be any more time than mm. than than the equivalent one stop on the tube which is uh which is just nuts the same from embankment to charing cross and all those little ones leicester square to embankment and stuff the more awareness we build uh, yeah. the more people will just think Covered of it garden. as their, yeah. their first choice mm. I, I um signage huh signs i was thinking about this mm. i think about this a lot because it irritates me so much the <laughs> sustrans network I, I know we're talking about walking and not cycling but if you're thinking about sign if well, they do both well, the NCN's walking and cycling, so it is actually yeah, it's walking network too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, <clears throat> yeah, they they do. Yeah, you're right. They do yeah. both, don't they? They have a little figure of a pedestrian on it. The ones you put to lamp posts and you clamp them like that, and yeah. uh, they routinely get turned in the wrong direction. Mm. Yeah, are such a bad mm. design that they might as well not bother. Because I, who want to use mm. them a lot, I mm. just ignore them because I've I completely failed to trust them because they've been turned around so many of them have been turned around yeah. that I can't trust a single one and uh it, it's just such a simple thing to get right and it's uh, it's just a huge huge mistake I think I think there's quite a few yeah. signage is really important you know sometimes I'm quite cautious not to just say like oh you know signs will fix everything because people you know don't read them but there are some instances especially the pace that you're walking at where signage can be really, really reassuring. And Absolutely, yeah. London is um, is a great example of, of that, and it's a little-known innovation that happened in London. I think London got the idea from New York, and they're called totems, uh, and basically they are... Uh, it's hard to explain what a totem is, I guess. It's like a... a like a freestanding kind of column with a map on two sides. Yeah. Yes, exactly, and they've got a map on the side. The two things that are innovative about that, which I love... It's not that innovative, but it's just someone's thought about it in a different way. One is it doesn't do north, south, east, west. It points the way that you're looking at it. Secondly, there's a, several circles around it, which give you five minute, 10 minute, 15 minute uh, walking things. And and those little things are, are great. And I just want to give a shout out as well to, uh, this isn't a sponsored podcast, although I'd like it to be, but uh, a sponsored podcast in the in the sense that uh, an app that I've been using, which is totally free and has been been transforming little walking meetings I've been doing. So rather than just sitting down and having meetings at work, I've been going for walking meetings. And the app is called Go Jauntly. And it's free to download. And basically, you can just say where you are and say, I want to walk Mm. for like 45 minutes or 30 minutes or 15 minutes. And it will give you users an algorithm to give you quiet streets, parks, nice places that you could do a circular walk on. So I've been using that, um, you know, if I've got a 45 minute meeting, I just put the app on 45 minutes and, and go around and we don't overcomplicate walking, but those little bits of tech and support can make all the difference. They worked with Footways actually on the map and they're kind of a partner. Yeah, and I spoke to them for the article that I wrote back in the autumn and um, I'd been using their kind of random walk generator during one of the lockdowns and it's fab, it's just nice. Just even places that I normally go, just a slightly different route sometimes can make all the difference. Yeah, perfect for walking meetings. I love that idea. I was wondering, I noticed... Um some Finnish cycling and walking advocates who I follow because I can't because I only do it because I love looking at written Finnish because it's just absolute lunacy isn't it it's just the <laughs> craziest language but they posted a bit it's really cold in Finland at the moment and they but that doesn't stop them 
riding their bikes. They just put kind of studs on mm. their tire. God knows what. Um, but they have to ride over compacted ice and snow and stuff. And they've got this, I don't know where it was, but they've got this beautiful, did you see it? Like these um, LED projectors on I, I think they're relatively low tech and probably not that expensive but they project these beautiful onto the snow these beautiful kind of images of they turn it into a cycle path by showing you and it kind of flows like that hmm. in, in purple and it, sh- and it lights up on the white of the snow and it says this is your cycle path now wow. i did think uh is there room for you know like um santander hire bikes project a little bicycle uh, in front of the wheel and i, I guess that's quite easy technology mm. but mm. wouldn't it be nice to have stuff projected onto pavements that said you know that suggested if you walk there if you go left there you know just swept you around because people look at the pavements all the time don't they as they're walking artwork or you know like the stuff that goes down with with directions and stuff yeah mm. yeah yeah moving led light that kind of like guides you and says suggests that if you walk this way you could be in victoria in five minutes mm. go left you know mm, it's quite a fun idea i think you could have a nice creative use of technology like that that might need you know thinking about exploring because yeah. sounds yeah. pretty cool but also going back right at the beginning laura you said you were surprised to find out that walking was on the decline mm. yeah that, that is surprising for a number of reasons isn't it but one of the reasons that surprised me is people have wear fitbits and <laughs> yeah i don't know if it's still a thing but it was really kind of two or three years ago everyone had a fitbit and everyone was trying to do ten thousand mm-hmm. steps a day there you go adam's, yeah. <laughs> adam's showing his his one off you know and that seemed to be a lot of people were in, involved in that and i I'm, that's another reason why i'm surprised it hasn't been you know yeah i think that market i think the fitbit kind of captures certain people but then there's a lot of people with no interesting technology or people who are older, for example, we've got an aging population or just people without the kind of money to do that. I think a lot of people who do kind of buy into the apps and I love it. I, you know, I love kind of gamifying stuff, but several of the reasons people aren't walking as much, well, apart from the increasing traffic, it's just general safety, air pollution. And then if you're older, it's um, just trip hazards. If you trip over, it can be really bad when you're older consequences can be quite severe so yeah there's quite a lot of reasons and I think it's quite complex I spoke to um the interim CEO of Living Streets London Living Streets and um he was telling me it's quite a kind of complex picture but various reasons and it also if you've got kids if you live on a busy road it can be quite scary yeah. sort of yeah corralling them away from the road well it is I, I did a walk on it was very depressing actually I did a walk on Christmas day um which uh <laughs> a depressing christmas walk no well no it was it was it was weirdly depressing well, i mean for a variety of reasons <laughs> i've been cooking christmas dinner for the last couple of years not in any kind of major way but just sort of reheating frozen stuff and sounds, sounds great no none of my family like it none of my family well i i but two-year-old reheated frozen christmas this must be some christmas dinner Adam. i go to a place i buy frozen potatoes frozen sprouts and stuff and just put them in the oven and it's fine anyway <laughs> reheating frozen stuff this is the worst christmas ever and we're vegetarian as well so we don't really have the turkey thing so it's normally like a vegetarian <laughs> toad in the hole long story short no one likes it and and, and every christmas is, is spent sort of like just poking at it uh the food so this year we decided we'd we'd break tradition literally and we'd go for a curry and we went to our local curry house uh on on christmas day and it's you know a 10 minute walk away and on christmas day i lived on a near a main road that's 30 miles an hour it's quite a busy road though me and my wife were walking with our kids and and you know i was so petrified walking down the the pavement because the speed cars were going out there weren't loads of cars but the speed they were going at was scary the pavement is narrow there's this massive gyratory 
and a tiny half pavement on the side. Oh, it just made me think, God, this is, um, we've got it the wrong way around again. It is really a, an eye opener for me. And I think there are a lot of considerations for people to take, you know, walk for short journeys. Um, and, and another one that, that you mentioned, Laura, roughly, I guess, in safety more generally. But women's safety as well in in the winter and and everyone's personal safety rather, but you know more prevalent in women who are walking uh, alone. Yeah. Um, we you know these are all kind of yeah. major considerations, and obviously we can't solve. You know that that shouldn't be a problem that society has to to deal with, but it is. But um, you know, with some of these measures, walking groups and better signage, better lighting, we can you know for quite cost effective make walking a natural first choice for for people. And I think stuff like this the map and the apps and combined with actual physical measures could make a big difference in Birmingham near me there's 25% of car journeys are under one mile like take that you know we, we're doing something massively wrong for that to be the byproduct of the decisions we've made so yeah that was that was really good I, I'm excited do about you know it. what they need in the West Midlands Adam what do they need tell me <laughs> Is it a walking, walking and cycling, cycling commissioner? commissioner? Brilliant. Yeah. 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 yeah Get him on it. Yeah. Yeah. He's Get on him it. on that pavement. He's on it. He's he's just venting his anger through the medium of podcasting, but uh, he is on it <laughs> as well. That probably just about does us. Thank you very much, Laura, for your intrepid reporting, as ever. Thanks. Thanks for joining me on the adventure. No, I'm a big fan of walking. I do it a lot. I tend to call it mooching, <laughs> which is a kind of misnomer slightly because I always thought to mooch just meant you know to kind of like stroll around aimlessly looking at stuff Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of by usage certainly how I use the word but then I was rereading Down and Out in Paris and London about six months ago by George Orwell and he uses the word which was written a hundred years ago and he Mm. uses the word to mooch in the London section of Down and Out in Paris and London and it means to um, I think it means to steal stuff to kind of like go around nicking stuff yeah, a moocher. So it's got slightly... Uh, oh. Mini moocher. Anyway, um, that's got nothing to do with active travel. But this podcast <laughs> has. Um, you've been listening, as ever, to Streets Ahead. Let us know what you think at Pod Streets Ahead. Rate us and review us and share the podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. And keep walking. Um, it's goodbye from me, Ned Bolting. Goodbye from me, Laura Laker. And goodbye from me, Adam Tranter. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.